0: you weren't here last week. Uh, last week we uh, talked about the commitment that it's going to take in order for us to uh, move through these four weeks. And we actually had a commitment card that we had people sign. That is, you agree to uh, participate in 40 Days of Purpose, small group. You're going to read a chapter every day in the Purpose Driven Life. You're going to hear all seven sermons in the Purpose Driven Life series. Uh, you're going to do your best uh, to learn how to wrap a memory verse. And you uh, signing that and then tear it in half, you keep one part and you turn the other part in. Actually, last week you uh, nailed them to these crosses that we have hanging up here. So if you weren't here last week but you want to make a commitment to this campaign, we have these available out at the information table. And if you'll sign it, tear it, keep your half, leave the other half here, we'll uh, nail it to the cross for you so that you can uh, participate as we're uh, in this process and make that commitment. Uh, God has five purposes that he created you for. And today, we're going to look at the first of, of those purposes. Let's read Revelation 4.12. let read this out loud together. We've had some issues with our PowerPoint this week. Well, look on your outline. That's why we print those. There you go. You guys look on there, and uh, I'll look here, and, and we'll uh, forge ahead. Revelation 4.12. You, God, created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. Circle the phrase, for your pleasure. Uh, The Bible says that you were created for God's enjoyment. God made you to enjoy you. You were planned for his pleasure. You know that God enjoys watching you? Uh, How many of you are parents? Parents, put your hands up you enjoy watching your kids? I, you know, I'm a grandparent. Man, I love watching my grandkids. And, and as parents, we love watching our kids most of the time. And, and the same is true with God. God enjoys watching you. When you came out of your mother's womb, God was smiling from ear to ear. You know, God smiled at your birth because he created you to enjoy you. He made you. He planned you for his pleasure. Now, last week we were talking about how you were created to be loved by God. This week we're going to look at the flip side of that in that we are created to love God back. Uh, God wants us to bring enjoyment, pleasure back to him. How do we do that? One day Jesus was walking down the street and a man approached him and said, Lord, what is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus answered and he said, Love the Lord your God. This is the first and greatest commandment. Circle the words first and greatest. God says, here's what you're supposed to do in life. I made you to love you, and you're supposed to learn to love me back. Now, there's a word for knowing God and loving God back, and it's the word worship. Worship is knowing and loving God. So write this down. Uh, my first purpose in life is to worship God. Worship is your primary objective. It's your highest priority. It's the number one purpose in life. Uh, Romans 12.1 says, Because of God's great mercy to us, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Now, three key words in that verse. First of all, is the word because, and then the word offer, and then the word offer again. Uh, that's what worship is all about. Uh, first, worship is my response to God's love. Worship is the way I react, it's the way I respond when God loves me. That's worship. It says because. Because of God's great mercy. First, it's His love, it's His mercy, it's His action toward us, and then we worship back. Worship is my response. God takes the initiative. God never asks you to take the first step. God always makes the first move. He creates us, He saves us, He forgives us, He blesses us, He protects us, all these things. And then because of all these things. We worship. Now, notice what we do is we worship. We offer. We offer. Uh, Worship is giving back to God. He gives to us. We give back to Him. And whenever you give back to God, whenever you offer anything to God, that's called worship. And that brings pleasure to God. You know, when your kids are grateful to you as a parent, uh, you know when your kids are appreciative when they acknowledge what you've done for them, that brings pleasure to you. So you know if you have an ungrateful, unthankful, unappreciative kid I and mean, that just wounds you deep in your spirit. Well, the same thing is true with God. When we are grateful, when we are thankful, when we are appreciative to our heavenly Father, that brings pleasure to him. Now when it says offer, what is it that I am supposed to offer? You know, we struggle sometimes in giving gifts to people. And what do you give the person who has everything? That's always a question. Well, what do you give the God who made everything? I mean, God made everything. What can we possibly offer to him? He made the universe. He made the world. He made you. What do you give him? You give him your love. Mark 12, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind all your strength. That's going to be the memory verse for next week. You've already got to start on the memory verse for next week. But God wants me to love him three ways. First, God wants me to love him thoughtfully. Love him with your mind. He wants you to thoughtfully think it through. Not just do this without thinking. He wants you to know him and to love him thoughtfully. Second, God wants me to love him passionately. He says, love him with all your heart and with all your soul. God passionately loves you. God wants you to passionately love him back. And third, he says, I want you to love me practically. Love me with all your strength, with all your abilities. Now, even though God created the universe, God created the world, and God created you, there are three things God does not have unless you give them to him. Three things God doesn't have unless you give them to him. First, he doesn't have your attention unless you give it to him. That's loving God with all your mind. Second, he doesn't have your affection unless you give it to him. That's loving God with all your heart, with all your soul. And third, God doesn't have your ability unless you give it to him. That's loving God with all your strength. And when we take those three things, and those three things are things that God gave us in the first place. I mean, God gave you the ability to pay attention. God gave you the ability to express affection. God gave you the strengths and abilities that you have. But whenever you take those things that God gave you in the first place and you give them back to God, that's the heart of worship. Let's look at this. First, worship is focusing my attention on God. Focusing my mind, my thoughts, my attention on God. In a lot of false religions, the idea of worship is to put your mind in neutral, to just sort of lose your mind to the universe. Uh, God says, no, 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 I want you to worship me thoughtfully. This isn't just going through the motions. This is where you really, really think about it. You ever prayed on autopilot? You just kind of get in, into a groove, you know, maybe you pray before a meal and, and it just kind of blah, blah, blah. Somebody asked you what you said, you know, eh, I think the word asparagus was in there, That, you know, I just don't remember what I prayed. You ever zone out in church? I mean, obviously not while I'm speaking, but did you ever zone out in church? You know, it reminds us that it takes energy, it takes effort to focus our attention now, why does God want your focus? Because God is focused on you. Psalm 131, you have looked deep into my heart, Lord, and you know all about me. You know when I'm resting or when I am working. Read the last part with me. You notice everything I do and everywhere I go. God has focused his attention on you. He never takes his eyes off of you. He never stops thinking about you because he made you to give you his attention. The greatest expression of love is attention. You know, sometimes guys will say, you know, my wife, my kids, uh, they say I don't love them, but man, I am knocking myself out working every day to provide and to care for them. Why don't they feel loved by me? Because they want your attention. They want your attention. Attention is an incredible expression of love. You remember the first time you fell in love? I mean, you just could not get that person off your mind. You thought about them when you woke up in the morning. You thought about them all through recess. I mean, you thought about them all day long. Now, that's often an infatuation with us that wears off over time. But God's love never wears off. It never wears out. God's love is always focused on us, and He wants to teach us to focus our attention on Him. That's worship when we do that. But we have to make the choice. We have to choose to focus on God because our natural tendency is to focus on ourselves. Our natural tendency is to be self-focused, Romans 8-7. Focusing on yourself is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God and ends up thinking more about self than God. I mean, there's the description of our culture. You know, we live in a culture and a time when we are just all so self-absorbed. Our, our culture just fuels that. Romans 12:2 says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. And we must choose to stop thinking about some things and choose to start thinking about God. And how do you do that? Well, one of the skills that you're developing through this 40-day campaign is learning how to establish a daily time with God. Just a few minutes during the day. It may be in the middle of the day. It may be at break or at noon or it may be at night. Whenever it is for you, you just focus on God. You talk to Him. You read His Word. I love the, the message paraphrase of Matthew 6.6. 6. It talks about this process. It says, find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. Then the focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense His grace. I just love that. Notice it starts out with a place. Find a place to do this. A place and a time. You know, in the Old Testament, there was only one place where you could worship God. If you wanted to worship God, you had to journey to the temple in order to do it. That's not true anymore. You know, today you can worship God anywhere. You just find a place. Maybe it's in your car on the way to work. Maybe it's someplace in your backyard or your deck or patio. Maybe a corner of your living room. But some place where you can focus on God. And then you're just to be there simply. There's no ceremony, no fancy words, no rigmarole, no rituals. You're just there with God focusing on Him. And we are to do it honestly. You just be yourself. You don't try to be all spiritual. that doesn't work anyway. You just establish a time, you pick a place, you make an appointment where you focus on God simply and honestly. And then what flows out of that when you begin to do that is you begin to move into having this constant conversation with God. Psalm 105 says, worship Him continually. You know, it's not just that you think about Him just during that quiet time. But, but it begins to move into your life to where it becomes the fact that you're focusing on God throughout the day. Now, people try a lot of different things in, in order to help with that. I, just this week, I read about a guy who sets his watch to vibrate every 30 minutes. And every 30 minutes through the day, his watch will vibrate, and that's a trigger for him to remember to shift his focus to God. And so when that happens, he'll just pray about whatever he's working with or pray about whoever it is that he's talking to. It's just a reminder to shift his focus to God. Uh, You know, one of the things I do with these memory verses is I I read them uh, every time I get in the car and every time I get out of the car. And it's just a repetition, and it just shifts my focus uh, to, okay, this is, is, I'm thinking about God. I'm about ready to drive here. Uh, You know, I need God's help. Uh, You know, I'm about to go in here and do something. I need God's help. And you shift your focus to God. Why? Why is that so important? There are incredible benefits that come into our lives when we do that. Isaiah 26.3. You, talking about God. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. You know, when you focus on yourself, the results are worry, insecurity, anxiety, guilt, fear, discouragement. But when that focus shifts from you to God, the, the results are you begin to sense His grace. You begin to experience His peace. Your life is filled with hope. Confidence, joy. Now, worship is not just focusing my attention on God. You know, as I focus my attention on God, now I move to the next step, which is expressing my affection to God. The Bible says we love Him because He first loved us. You know, in a lot of religions, God is this angry tyrant that you have to appease. A God is a God to avoid to run from, to be afraid of. That is not the real true God. You know, the Bible says God isn't like that. Hosea 6, God says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. Circle the words love and know, because that is the first purpose of your life, to know and to love God. And if you do that, you have accomplished the most important thing in life. Because the most important thing is that you know and love God. When you get up in the morning, I'd encourage you, before your feet even hit the floor, to just pray this little prayer, to just say, God, if I don't get anything else done today, at the end of this day, I want to know you better, and I want to love you a little bit more. Because if you will do that at the end of your day, and I don't care how, how bad the day has gone, If at the end of the day you know God a little bit better, maybe it's through trial. If you know God a little bit better and you love Him a little bit more, that day was a success. Now, on the other hand, if you knock 24 things off your to do list, if you accomplish great accomplishments, if you achieve great achievements in your life, but at the end of that day, if you don't know God any better and if you don't love Him anymore, then that day has been wasted. It's been a failure because you weren't put on earth to tick things off your to-do list. The first reason, the most important reason that God put you here on earth is to get to know Him and to love Him back. It's the first primary goal of your life. So how do I express my affection to God? The Bible tells us that it starts with thankfulness. It starts with an attitude of gratitude, just looking around at everything, and you just thank God back. I mean, everything that's here is a gift from God. You can look around, you can find hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things to just start thanking God for. That's a good way to express your love to God. The greatest way to express affection to God is by giving Him your life. You're giving Him your life as a living sacrifice. You're moving into June, it's the season for weddings and, and when you go to a wedding and two people stand up in front of the church and they look in each other's eyes and they say, I do. What is it that they're doing? They're saying, I am committing myself to you. Because that's the essence of love, committing yourself to the other person. And you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And so when you say, God, I want to express my love to you, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I give you my life. That's the greatest way to express your love to God. Romans 6, give yourselves completely to God since you have been given new life. There it is again. It's always a response. God gives us life. God gives us new life in Christ. We respond by giving our life back to him. And you may be thinking, you know, Pastor, this thing about loving God. uh, You know, I just don't love God enough. That's my problem. I just don't love God enough. That is not your problem. Your problem is not that you don't love God enough. Your problem is, is that you don't understand how much God loves you. When you begin to understand how much God loves you, when you begin to understand that God gave His one and only Son, die on the cross for you but you have no other response than to love him back so it's not that you don't love God enough it's that you just don't understand what God has done for you enough because when I focus my attention on God we love him because he first loved us we focus our attention on him we express our affection to God and third, Third way to worship is using my abilities for God. That's loving God with all your strengths. God wants us to worship Him thoughtfully with our mind. He wants us to worship Him passionately with our heart and our soul. And He wants us to worship Him him practically with all our strengths by using our abilities for God. You know, worship is not just about thoughts. It's not just about feelings and emotions. Worship must flow into action. In any relationship, there are practical expressions of love, whether it's in a marriage or a parent-child relationship, or whether it's in a relationship with God. There are chores to be done. There are things that need to be fixed. There are errands to be run. There are responsibilities to be shared. And those are the times when I use my abilities to show, not just through words and not just through emotions, I show my love by my actions in practical ways, even to God, by fixing and helping and serving and sharing. That's part of worship. Read Colossians 3.23. Read this with me. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. You know, there's, there's a been a misunderstanding in the church. You don't have to join a monastery to worship more. You know, some people think that if the number one purpose of my life is to get to know and love God, then I've got to have a five-hour quiet time every day. No, you don't need to do that. You know, all that means I need to go to church every day of the week. You don't need to do that either. You just change who you're working for. And when you change who you're working for, your worship, your work becomes worship. You know, we, we just... Tend to compartmentalize our life. This is the spiritual portion of my life. This is my quiet time, my small group, when I go to church. This is my career part of life. This is where I work and make money and do things. This is my family part of life over here, where I interact with my wife and my kids and my extended family, especially on Memorial Day weekend. This is when I, you know, I, I have hobbies and sports and those things. And we break our life up into these compartments. God says, No, 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 no! I don't want you to do that. I want to be in every compartment. I want to play a role in every part of your life. I want to be involved in it all. You know, in life, it's not what you do that matters. It's who you do it for. It's not so much what you do. It's who you do it for. And all of your work can be turned into worship, whether you're a butcher, a baker, or a candlestick maker. I mean, you, it doesn't matter if I'm doing this and I'm doing it for God. I mean, you can clean carpets for God's glory. You can program computers. And you, you can raise kids. And you can be a manager or a salesperson or a truck driver. It doesn't—you know, People get all hung up. What is God's will for my career? God, should I do this or should I do that? And God just kind of says, you know what? I really don't care as long as it's not illegal. You know, just pick something and do it as though you're doing it for the Lord. That turns work into worship. God doesn't want worship to just be a church thing. Romans 12, look at this. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. That's what it means to live a life of worship. You know the idea. Purpose-driven life that isn't something that happens at church. It's not something that happens in a small group. It's not something that happens in a, even in your quiet time. A purpose-driven life, living a life of worship, happens in the ordinary, routine, mundane things of life. God, I am taking out the garbage for you. God, I, I you can make beds to the glory of God. You, you, you can. Clean out your garage to the glory of God. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as unto the Lord, not unto people. Now what if you decided today? What if you said, God, Tuesday morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to go back to work? And I'm going to go back to a job that I've had maybe ten years or twenty years, but this time I'm going back with a new boss. Tuesday morning I'm going back and I'm working for you. And then it will turn mundane, trivial things uh, that don't seem to mean a whole lot, it will turn them into worship. And honestly, that's the kind of worship that God loves. I don't want to burst your bubble, but God's not really into incense and candles and rituals and chanting. Uh, he's into the kind of worship that says, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it for you. He wants your life to become an act of worship. Worship is a lifestyle because you were planned for God's pleasure. You were made to know and love God, to love Him thoughtfully, to love Him passionately, and to love Him practically. So just make that the number one goal of your life. Paul says we make it our goal to please Him. There's not a better goal you could set for your life. Let's pray together. God, what we've talked about today is no small issue. It is the most important thing in life, getting to know and to love you. God, I realize there are people here at all different stages in their spiritual journey, and some are here for the very first time. If you're here for the first time, I would encourage you just to believe and receive, to just believe that Jesus Christ was God's Son, believe that he died on the cross and was raised for you. And then just receive the new life that God wants to give you. Just believe and receive. Maybe you're here today and you've been a believer for a long time. But but you've been self-focused. You've been living your life for yourself. I just invite you today to just turn your attention, turn your affection to God. And experience His grace and His peace. God, help all of us as we leave here today to move out into the world and to do practical things that may everything that we do be done as an act of worship unto you. For we ask it in Jesus' name.